this is Raga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Goff Rugby Report. Uh, joined, as usual, by, uh, I guess, the, the usual suspects, we call them that, uh, Iona College head coach, Bruce McLean, and, as we announced in our last show, brand new Lindenwood Belleville head coach, Pat Clifton. So I'm the only one who's not coaching now, uh, which is really kind of sad and pathetic. But, uh, um, uh, Pat, how's the, uh, how, how's the first couple of weeks been for the the new gig along with your writing for rugby today, which you're still doing. Ah, it's been good. Uh, settling in. Um, and you know, I'm starting the one thing I will say that I'm a little bit over is, uh, explaining that Lindenwood Belleville is, Oh yes. It's just like Lindenwood, but in Belleville. So <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I answered that, I could probably, you know, have a nice house. So where, what, what's the, uh, the pizza place or the fish fry place or the, the, uh, soul food restaurant that everybody goes to in Belleville, all the students go to. Oh God, I have no idea. They all eat on campus. I mean, they all the student athletes have to live on campus, and the campus oh. is eighty percent student athletes. So I would say it's the cafeteria food that they're eating oh. pretty, pretty regularly. Is cafeteria food any good? Uh yes, it's pretty decent. It's fabulous. All right, good, good. Uh, Bruce, what's uh, what are you doing with Iona this? Uh, winter slash spring i don't think you're uh you're jumping into the uh, uh jumping onto the sevens bandwagon are you no we're going to be doing a lot of strength and conditioning we have to get ourselves physically robust enough to get through rugby east and 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 perform a little bit better than than we did this season although we had some some good results at times we also got we also took some really nasty beatings as well. And then we will be playing St. Mary's on either Holy Thursday or Good Friday. We're playing UMass, who is a, a, an ACRC bowl team. That's that's very good from the ECRC. We'll play them in late March. Then we're going to play New England College, who's going to join the ECRC this year. They're a varsity program, so that'll be fun. And then we're going to play Fordham, who's just right around the corner from us. And that'll basically be our, our season in a nutshell. So it's not it's going to be more focused on strength and conditioning and then uh, some skill work and contact area work and defense work, uh, things of that nature, things where we, we really need to make some dramatic improvements. And you're also asked him when he uh... – if you talk about jumping on the bandwagon, I'm just curious when the last time Bruce jumped on or off of anything. <laughs> I just Bruce, I don't see your feet leaving the ground very much. No, 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 no. I, I I'm kind of like you. Would be lucky if I can jump over a credit card. Um, <laughs> you know, if I get up the height of a phone book, it's impressive. We had uh, Rugby East uh, welcomed a new team uh, just recently with uh, West Virginia going in as the eighth team in the Rugby East, uh, which is uh, a nice little addition. Um, actually, I shouldn't say little addition. And I think uh, one of the nice things about that, though, is uh, sort of developing those little um, in-state rivalries. So you've got um, 
two teams in kind of western New York, two teams in eastern upstate New York, uh, two teams in Pennsylvania, now two teams in West Virginia in the, in there. So that's cool. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Definitely, um, they're a they're a great addition for us, and I think ideally, if we could get to the point where we had six teams out west and six teams in the east, then we can have a round robin and a crossover playoff and not have as many travels. But this is West Virginia was a fantastic. It was a unanimous uh, unanimous vote that they got in and everybody's really excited to have a team that has, they have a big name and they have a lot of upside. Their coach is very talented and, and young and enthusiastic and they got a, a, a pretty nice facility to play at. And I think that that's, um, that's going to be a program on the upswing. And with that many students and the ability and, and a young hungry coach, you have, you have the makings of, something that can become Penn State-ish pretty quickly. You've got a, uh, a an Irish coach whose uh, area code on his cell phone number is Georgia, and he's living in West Virginia. So that's uh, that's the modern uh, the, that's the modern rugby world. Uh, well, that's great. That's great on that. And, and we're going to um, touch on college things a little bit later in the year. We've got uh, a couple of different... Uh, topics to touch on today on Rugged Matrix America, which is brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. And number one, we're going to talk about the the men's sevens team, and we'll be touching on some club stuff, Pacific Rugby Premiership stuff coming up later. But uh, first of all, men's sevens team going into Wellington and Las Vegas, and um, Technically, the squad that was named by Mike Friday uh, is really only the squad for Wellington because being the home team for the next tournament after that, he has the luxury of moving some players in and out. And we've seen the USA team do that a couple of times. Uh, but here, here, quickly, here's the team. Uh, Perry Baker, Danny Barrett, Garrett Bender, Andrew Duratalo, Nick Edwards, Ahmad Hareli, Madison Hughes, Martin Iosefo, Carlin Isles, Falau Niua, Zach Test, and Maka Unufe. Uh, so there, there are two players, uh, I don't want to say dropped, not picked from last time, which would be Pat Blair uh, and Aladdin Shermer, and Nick Edwards and Ahmad Hareli come in uh, in their place. So you've got Nick Edwards coming in, very experienced. I've already been on record saying I don't really like him as a player, but uh, anyway, uh, and I thought he was kind of on the way out. Turns out I'm wrong. Uh, Nick Edwards, very experienced player, coming back in. And then Ahmad Hareli, here's the big story, um, is that he's just some kid from Michigan who was playing for the Detroit Tradesmen and wanted to be seen actually in 15s. Sent out an email uh, to Luke Gross. That got forwarded on to Alex Magleby. Magleby calls uh, uh, Hareli and says... Well, we've got this open tryout here in uh, Chula Vista. And he said it's for seven, so I'm not really interested in sevens. Cause, does this get me seen for the 15s team? And he said, they said, yes, but come down anyway. You might like sevens. So he goes down, he tries out, he's asked to stay, and he actually makes the team. And he really 
He's he's not brand new to rugby. He played high school rugby. He's been playing a few years in club rugby, but he's pretty new to sevens, and he makes the team. Um, first of all, is this pick? And I and I interviewed him. I, I he's he's a good athlete. He's a good player, intelligent kid, uh, twenty one years old. But is this pick perhaps a little political to say, look, the open tryout works? Um, having talked to Friday directly about it and believing him to be pretty true to his word and pretty, um, you know, willing to tell the truth. No, I don't think it is. Um, I think it's, if it's political in any way, it's, it's more strategically political, I guess you could say, in that it just having a new blood get into the team, um, creates competition. I don't think it was, Hey, let's pick this guy so we can say that the open trial was a success. If there was an intangible, you know, something off of off the training field that got him picked, I think it would probably lean more to it being, um, you know, just more proof that nobody, you know, there are no sacred cows, as Mike likes to say, and that um, this is fostering competition. That said, uh, he wouldn't take him if he thought he was going to, you know, be an embarrassment to the team or to him. Um, so I, I don't think so. I think that Ahmed really is. Uh, a pretty talented player that uh, deserves to be in the squad, at least in Friday's mind. Yeah, probably a little bit cynical for me to ask that. I, I you know, I, I, I wonder sometimes if Friday looks at the, the lineup the way uh, when Pat, you and I worked together on Rugby Mag, and we would work together on rankings. And sometimes you would kind of um, call me on wanting to change rankings just for the sake of changing them. Say, ah, we got to shake it up, right? And and you you and I would have discussions about that. And I sometimes I think, you know, you pick you pick a squad of twelve players. Yes, they all have to be good enough to play, and they're not going to embarrass you and things like that. But really, um, isn't eleven and twelve also an opportunity to move things around just to prove that you're not going to stand pat every time? I don't know. It is, and it's also. I mean, Al Caravelli used to do it, and people used to. I think kind of flog him for it, fair or unfairly. But, you know, this is a guy, you know, what about just giving him a taste so he knows what's out there, right? Especially if you're having to sell him a little bit on sevens versus fifteens. But, you know, not that he's a, a convert or a crossover, but when you usually happen with convert or crossovers that Al would do it, he'd bring a guy onto the circuit, show him that there is this thing that exists and how great it is, and then give him a chance to, to taste it just to kind of get them enveloped in the whole thing. You know, I, I think that uh, maybe that was kind of what Alex Magleby was doing with Carlin Isles back in, what was it, 2011 or whatever, when he took him to Victoria. At the time, everybody thought he was just this fast guy. Let's pick him and take him. So he, he's in a high-performance, you know, setup, you know, and what comes of it comes of it. And it turns out the guy took the opportunity and ran all the way onto the team and has been, you know, you know, a great try score ever since and certainly worth, worthy of selection. I think it may be kind of a scenario like that halfway, but um, I think I just – I don't know what I just did. I think I talked with a <laughs> circle. But I think he's a worthy selection, and you never know if he's going to run with it like Carlin did. No, I, I think the problem with it, you know, go back to politics. There are all these development academies, and – and I'm sure that somebody somewhere in in Tiger or or uh, Atlantis or somewhere is saying, 
this guy just goes and you know gets picked like that we we're we're having everyone go through the channels and those guys don't get picked but i guess the the thing is you got to be good enough at some point martin iosefo kind of came out of nowhere as well um but boys he's, he's i mean he certainly looks at home out in the field there it's not like he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing and Friday thinks he's special, that Yosefo is a steal and a fine. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's really good. I mean, he can move and he can hit. So he, if he can get everything else together. The thing that I love the most about Ahmed and about Martin is, where do they come from? Montana and Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I was just kind of goofing around the other day. I saw the the High School Sevens All-American name for Vegas. And I started going through it. And, and I saw just the overwhelming abundance of Californians. And so I said, let me just take a snapshot of this. This just seems like we're relying too much on California. And it, it, and I went and looked at what the College All-American Sevens team looked like and what the Eagles Sevens team looked like. And neither one of them had anywhere near the same percentage of Californians as the high school All-American team. And I, I'm not salt, you know, trying to get, get after salt here or anybody else. I just think that we do have a tendency to look at one or two areas for being these great deep wells. when, And we forget that there are these... There are players that come from everywhere. I mean, Bill Teal came from Traverse City, Michigan, and 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 Dan Payne came from, you know, what, Rochester, New York, and places that people don't think of that there are those diamonds in the rough, and I think it um, it's pretty cool to see a couple of them on the team at the same time. Okay. He took he took the twelve guys he thinks are the best guys. If he didn't, then he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if he if he's gonna risk his job and risk the Olympics and qualification and opportunities to get sevens points to pick a guy, then he shouldn't be coaching. So I would imagine that he didn't do that. <laughs> That's just my take on it. Any any coach at the premier elite level who isn't picking the best guys, isn't doing any service to the program at all. No, I think that's fair. I think, you know, it's kind of weird um, trying to track where I'm not players saying, come from. No, it's, it's, no, it's fine. Have to, I'm not saying we have to agree with them. I'm just saying that in his mind, they have to be the best guys. And I think that all the coaches agree or disagree with them over the course of years. They've picked who they thought were the guys that gave them the best chance of winning. I, I do think that's true. I think no, I, I do think that's true. And, I, you know, tra- tracking where players come from is kind of funny because, you know, if you look at college, you know, I – are you looking at uh, you know somebody goes to Cal, but it turn you know he he's originally from Indiana you know is he a California product or is he an Indiana product, um, you know we have that too. but I I I think Pat's point is well taken that they do come from everywhere you know Paul Emmerich came from Iowa, um, uh, and and I I think that sometimes what you get is who's available who's decided to be available for certain uh, teams and, and uh, um, you know, for, for certain assemblies, stuff like that. And, and for the college All-Americans, we see a lot of players from Cal not be available for, you know, summer play for whatever reason. Um, uh, possibly it's sort of like summer internship reasons. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. So then, great. It's an opportunity for someone else. Uh, you know, uh, Martin Arcefo, uh comes to uh, University of Montana via Hawaii, so that's great. 
that's what we want. We want those people to be seen. I think it's also uh, really cool that he came from a D2 men's club. I mean, yeah, it's like that Vince Papali story where, I mean, we've all met guys in the game who are either old boys who said, oh, I should have been an Eagle, but the the Aspen coach was coaching the West. And so the, the Aspen player always got picked for the IGTs instead of me or some you who's on your division three men's club who thinks he's got Eagle potential. You, you, I mean, while you get tired of those guys and you roll your eyes at them, it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, every once in a while somebody comes through and is like, well, maybe there is a guy in Division Two that is good enough to be an Eagle because Ahmed Hareli was. I guess the message to players, though, is that you can't wait for something to happen for yourself, and especially with the fact that we don't really have on the club level like uh, – state or regional select sides and, and territorial all-stars and things like that. You got, you got to make that happen sometimes. Um, and it's a little, a little bit sad that that happens, but uh, you know, we know, and I, I've asked, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many coaches have asked the question, are there people out there that you're missing? And they, they almost always say yes. It's like, how, how can we know everybody that's out there? There's going to be somebody who walked onto a field, you know, six months ago and um you know they weren't rated for whatever reason uh to begin with and now they should be in camp they should at least get looked at but we don't know and they don't know so that's what's what's kind of nice about this uh you know an open tryout situation a recruitment camp where somebody says i think i'm good enough they show up and at least they get a chance to show that they're good enough absolutely and I don't know that it happens under a million other coaches other than Mike Friday, too. I mean, his kind of philosophy that you can come from anywhere, but you show up to the high-performance camp, and if you're good enough there, then you're good enough to play. I mean, him kind of opening that door back up, um, which previous coaches had really only done for, like, what, Mike Palafal, I think is is what's led to some of these diamonds being found. So kudos to him and 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 Alex Magleby, who I think this this kind of recruitment camp or – open tryout, uh, I think this was his kind of his baby. So kudos uh, to the, uh, the current setup. Eventually, if somebody's in residency at Tachula Vista and they consistently aren't making the team, you know, that, that's, that's going to be uh, a problem for that player. Oh, but yeah. If, well, I mean, if, we're if, seeing if he's it right bringing now. people outside, right? We're seeing it right now with a bunch of guys who, I mean, haven't been making it. So we'll see what happens with them. But you're right. There's turnover. This is just like the NFL, right? The the average NFL career is less than four years because every single year there's 200-some-odd people going to the NFL combine that are just as big and fast or maybe bigger, faster, stronger than you. So there's always that bottom group that's coming up to chomp you off. So, um, yeah, but I don't – yes. Yes is the answer to what you're saying. Yeah, which is what we want. How do we feel about the rest of this team? Really strong. I feel. I actually feel like super op- optimistic about this team going into Wellington and Vegas. I mean, I think that they're really hitting their stride. I think that they have almost every single weapon. I still think they're one really, really dynamic forward away from being awesome. Maybe uh, Martin Yusefo grows into that because that, we think that's his future. But if he can step up to that and really be the one-two punch with Danny Barrett or Nick Edwards is going to play primarily in the forwards, maybe he can – you know, I I don't I didn't really ever like him as a wing, even though he scored a lot of tries. Uh, but maybe as a forward, he can be a little bit more dynamic. If they can find that second forward to be really, really dynamic, along with 
or second prop rather, along with Danny Barrett and, and Zach Teston there. Um, obviously, I think that Niua is a is a game changer for the team. Madison Hughes is a great player, and then Isles and Baker. Isles and Baker are about as good as you can be at, at their job on the circuit. Zach Tess is as good as you can be at his job on the circuit. Danny Barrett is probably is pretty darn close to about as good as you can do, good as you can be at his job on the circuit, um, or getting close to it. So, uh, you know, if that's that's three guys, I feel really comfortable saying they're really good at what they do, or among the best at what they do. That's three sevenths of the team. So I think that we're getting closer. And and they may be one or two guys away, but one or two guys away, you can you can win games and and go far in cup rounds. D- Danny Barrett is, and, and this, Danny Barrett's still the player that he was in college to me, which is at his best. He's absolutely terrific, and he just needs to be at his best more, and he needs to cut out some of the little uh, the bad moments. So he's got to cut out those yellow cards. Um, he's got to uh, not continue to commit the same penalty three, four times in a row. Um, and then some of those special things that he does uh, matter more. And the guy you didn't mention, well, one of the guys you didn't mention was Garrett Bender, who might be that guy. I, I think he, he's sort of just coming along slowly. I think I, Garrett's a little bit more of a... And Andrew Giratalo, in that he's really good at his. He has a certain defined role, but his he's not going to paint outside the lines on that really, really well over and over again. Whereas like a guy like Blaine Scully can, Zach Test can, Colin Holly was getting to where he could, and 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 Danny Barrett can. I think that I think that Garrett Bender is always going to be kind of that straight ahead bulldozer like like Duratalo. I don't know that he has the ability to be. Um, that and fast like Danny Barrett and and like Blaine Scully. Well, the other uh, really. Well, that's the thing. Bad. That's the th- I'm sorry, I interrupted you again. Once again, uh, Ahmad Hareli was a lock in high school, and um, thought he was going to be put in as a, a, a. He was a lock who was converted to fly half, and then uh, he shows up playing for Detroit Tradesmen. He thinks he might be put in the forwards, and they basically told him. Um, no, we put all the old players in the forwards. Um, as long as you can <laughs> run, we're going to put you in the back. So he's playing it in the centers. So what not that a perfect kind of combination for a sevens player? A guy who's big enough to play lock, probably was thinking about back row in men's club, and has played fly half and center as well. Yeah, I think that's, and, I think that's awesome. That's, that's a Mike Friday kind of player. He's tall-ish, kind of lanky, but physically strong. Um Kind of likes to go in the air. I think he's okay with that, and if they they can develop that, and then you fit him in as so that's sort of a, a a Colin Holly type player, a Zach Test type player. We'll we'll uh, we'll see. Um, terrific, uh, really fun article in the University of Oregon's alumni magazine this week, by the way, where they start listing some of the uh, the famous players from the University of Oregon. Uh, um, football team when Zach Test was there for just the one year and didn't play, uh, including Jonathan Stewart from my uh, hometown who uh, plays for the Carolina Panthers and said that uh, after listing all the players that the most famous may well be a guy you've never heard of here in the States, but worldwide Zach Test is uh, well known as a, you know, a top sevens player. I thought that was kind of a, a, a cute thing. That's really flattering, but 
Zach Test has 2,700 Twitter followers. <laughs> no, that's a, I mean, that's a good point. But I mean, just, the, just the idea. The state of Rhode Island that had Jonathan Stewart on their fantasy football well, team. That's true. That, no, that's true. True. Um, How many Twitter followers does Maka Anufe have? I don't, I, I don't think Maka's on. Is he on Twitter? I don't know that he that is. Would, that, but would be, that would be. Yeah, it looks, I, I'm fine. Him. He's, he's locked down on Twitter, which may be a smart move for a lot of women out there. He's got 3,800. He's got 12 followers. 13 now. I just followed him, Bruce. You'll be happy to know. It's pending. He's kind of blocks it, but it's him and his wife. So oh, I see it. Yeah. His wife also has him locked down on Facebook, so it's Maka and Becca Anufe. Um, so I think that's kind of a, a smart move by the women out there. You know how that social media happens. Sorry, I don't. I don't know at yeah. all. How Pat, I think, media that, Pat, I think the three of us, we don't really know how that social media happens. I've heard of <laughs> Come on, you spent some time on Grinder, Bruce. I've, what's, what's that? I heard of Tinder. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I what's would do the same Tinder? thing. Is that another one? Yep, it's just like it. There you go. Uh, yeah. I'll ask the guys on my team. They tell me what the hell's going on. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not, I'm not that. I'm Bruce, not that Bruce you you have exactly two tweets. Yeah, I think I retweeted two tweets. I'm not that good at Twitter. You would be. No, I'm not that good either. But I'm better than you. Uh, okay, so. Let's have a look at this team. Uh, seeing as I don't have the the pool in front of me, do you know the pool that they're in? Uh, yeah, it's France, Japan, and South Africa. There we go. Okay, so, um, you know, Mike Friday of the opinion that we've got to stop looking at um, teams and say, oh well, we could beat France and Japan, and then we'd be two and one. And we'll um, make the top eight. He doesn't like that attitude. He would prefer to have the attitude of let's go in and beat them all. Um, are they able to beat these teams? And, uh, and I'm, I'm still, you know, I, I like the team. I like what they've been doing. I'm still of the opinion that they could go anywhere from 0-3 to 3-0 and uh, the way they've been. They've not been consistent enough for me to feel comfortable with even Japan. They can't go 0-3. Japan is awful. And I don't know if Samoa, like, was, like, abducted. The players were abducted in the locker room and a bunch of other people, like, filled in their jerseys that one game they lost. But Japan's won one game all year, and they're atrocious. So they're going to win at least one game. And I don't know when this is going to be posted, Alex, this podcast, but I'm currently sitting here, and the pool standings on the IRB or the World Rugby website already have South Africa and France uh, playing to a draw. Um, <laughs> the, the games are over a week away. Uh, that would oh, be yeah, interesting. Good. Yeah, I think they're capable of going. I, I don't think they're capable of going three. No, no one. I mean, South Africa is just a steamroller. They are capable. They have beaten them before. It's not completely uh, impossible. Um, but I, I feel really strongly about finishing one and two or two and one. Yeah, I mean. Be serious. He's not going to say we can't beat South Africa, but that's like saying Xavier High School football is going to go beat the Seattle Seahawks. Give me a break. 
It's just not happening. Well, I, oh, but what he's saying is he doesn't he he doesn't want to feel walk away from a game against South Africa that they lost and say, well, we feel pretty good because we were kind of close to them at halftime. I get oh I get it. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I understand right, his. Right. I understand his thoughts as a coach. I have them too. I'm just saying that. You know, sometimes you got to be realistic about things. That's it. And I, I think the realistic is that France right now is a team that the USA has beaten sometimes and just kind of implodes against sometimes. And I, and really, I've watched France play. The Eagles should beat them every time. They have better players they're, when they execute and they pl- play their pattern, that's better, but they don't do it. And they fumble the ball, and uh, Barua Rua goes and runs 80 meters and scores. Uh, so th- that that's kind of a frustrating team to watch the USA play against, because sometimes they'll play great, and sometimes they'll play just horrible against. If the United States plays uh, anywhere, I mean, if they play, you know, Better than intermediate, they should beat France, you know, 75% of the time. Yeah. All right, so, uh, you know, what we'd like to see them do is uh, play up to that form that saw them uh, pile on well over 30 points against Wales. That was kind of the result that I was happy about. You're listening to Rugby Matrix America, brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. We got Pat Clifton from Rugby Today and head coach of Lindenwood Belleville in Illinois, not to be confused with Lindenwood St. Charles in Missouri, but they are connected, and Bruce McLean, head coach of Iona College in New York State, and me, Alex Goff. I'm just lowly old editor of Goff Rugby Report, and I don't coach anybody. But uh, we're going to change topics uh, right here. We've been talking about the U.S. 7s team. Um, I think we figured they're good enough to get into that top eight. We'll see how they do after that. Uh, we've got the Pacific Rugby Premiership coming up. And, uh, you know, this this is one of the two uh, big leagues, one being held in the fall, one being held in the, the spring. And, you know, I, I think... I think the thing that we were talking about before the show started uh, was about player movement. And, uh, you know, uh, probably the highest profile one that people talk about is uh, Todd Clever uh, is is going to play uh, at on back. Looks like he's going to be playing for the whole season. I don't know if he stays there after that, but uh, I suppose that's kind of irrelevant for this season. Todd Clever, and he's bringing a teammate of his from the NTT Shining Arcs, and that would be uh, Yoshi Kimishima. Um, and also Eagle Brian Doyle joining on back as well. That's one of the big movements was that you know at that club. Um, guys, talk to me a little bit about, you know, first of all, is this – is there an sort of an exodus? Are we going to see this hopping back and forth between East Coast and West Coast? I don't think so. Go ahead, Bruce. I don't think so. Doyle went out. <clears throat> Doyle went, but he primarily went for work reasons. And so Doyle's playing with back as well. Uh, Seamus Kelly was going to play with the AC, but his girlfriend's in San Francisco, so he chose to play there. Um, I don't see a, a big thing a hopping between East and West Coast. And then certainly may happen on, on in some cases, and it certainly may happen with um, 
some of the higher profile players, but I don't think it's going to happen all that much with a lot of a lot of people. I, I don't know if it's going to happen like going back and forth fall to spring or or what, but I think it's I think the conglomeration and the the um you know the the stacking and or what am I looking for hoarding of good players in one competition condensed is great. Um, and you know, you used to see it with the Super League. We're seeing it now at the Premiership, um, which is the competition that has the most seems to have the most legs and the most steam going forward. So I think it's it's great that in a World Cup year, a lot of these guys are making moves to get over there. Um, I know this isn't the show, but uh, I would love to see Seattle get get their butts in this competition, and to see the ARP find a way to be uh, uh, as awesome as the PRP is. I think that the ARP is going to be. I, I'm. I'm not. Um, I'm not worried about the ARP being really good. I'm. You know, those players left, but that doesn't mean that there's not that they're not. Uh, that the AC won't be capable of beating teams, and that the uh, and that life won't be capable of beating teams. And the a, the the ARP and the PRP are relatively equal as far as. You know, talent goes. I mean, it's been eight champions in the last. You know, it's been basically AC or, or Golden Gate been the champions. Eight out of the last four, four each out of the last eight years. So it's not. I don't think there's any anything to say about. Uh, I think those teams will. They're all good. It's fun to have a. It's fun to have a good team. I, I think that the. There's going to be problems with it in, in terms of the way USA Rugby handles some things and some other stuff, but and and some of the conflicts. But I think it's great. Is there a team in the ARP that can do what Ombak did last year, and just comes from where nobody expects them to compete to be really good? I mean, I don't see the Boston Irish Wolfhounds turning around next year and all of a sudden, you know, beating teams that they shouldn't be. You know what I mean? I don't see. Boston all of a sudden turning around and beating Nyack like, you know, Golden Gate, what they dropped three games last year, didn't they, in the regular season? The, uh, the only teams that's, that are – the ARP's depth isn't isn't there, the PRP is. I'm not trying to – No, 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 I, I understand. But if you if you take that – so you look at, say, the year uh, when the AC won the championship in 2012, they had um, – Seattle had beaten – Golden Gate by 60 or something that year. And the AC had beaten life by over 30 three times. And and uh, so that's uh, – then, then, then things turned around a bit. I, I don't see that – like I'm back came from nowhere, but Seattle left and – Nobody was anywhere. It wasn't, it wasn't like I'm back came from nowhere. Everybody was nowhere. They were 60 points adrift of everything. So I don't and and so I don't think that it was you weren't comparing apples and apples. Life in the AC have been consistently really good over the course of since at least for life 2008. And the AC 2004, they'd been consistently really good. And I'm I'm including life's 
Division One stuff that they Division One championship in two thousand eight, and in two thousand nine they went to the finals and they had had a couple losses in the finals to Golden Gate. I I don't like I don't see what I'm back did as anything that was super spectacular. All those teams dove out of the dove out of the Super League for various reasons, and then kind of came back in and Golden Gate was on a little bit of a a down stretch because of Volney wasn't playing and, you know, and then they got Volney back and then all of a sudden Golden Gate's great again. You know, I mean, get your fly half back and things kind of work out. You know, we've seen a few uh, player moves in some of the other teams as well. I think, I think the one that always seemed to have a big shift in their lineup would be the Glendale Raptors. That's the, um, the team that, uh, you know, with their own stadium, and, and in fact, they're the home stadium for Denver Barbarians as well. But, uh, you know, we've got, for this year, Ben Tarr, new Eagle prop, Moshe Timoteo, who is, um, who's been playing for about 39 years now. Uh, he's he's moved from uh, San Francisco area to Glendale area. Uh, Nick Wallace, another Eagle prop, uh, Jack Bristol, Air Force Academy All-American, Garrett Brewer, St. Mary's All-American, going into that team um not that's it's not always a done deal that just because some good players some all-americans even some national team players move to uh a club that they've got it all taken care of i mean i remember one year when uh todd clever and chris wiles played uh part of a season with on back in the super league that didn't mean they were winning games and you got to play together as well so i guess the big job for someone like uh, Andre Snyman at Glendale will be to take all those pieces that have uh, shown up and uh, knit them I think together the, and make himself a more recent sweater. comparison is, is Olympic Club. Didn't they have like I thought they were lining up Will Johnson and Mike McDonald and uh, you know it was either I think Andrew Cook probably or Matt they, Yep, they've still got Johnson and Cook and they had uh, you know Hawley and then Engelbrecht and Haley uh, uh, Mon, uh, but the the what I remember from that team was that yeah. their lineup cha- seemed to change every week. Um, but it is the same, and Pretorius as well. They had there are a lot of guys you say, "Wow, that guy was an All American. That guy was an Eagle. That guy was great." And yet somehow the pieces don't come together. Um, and I think one of the problems is this is still an amateur game, and uh, you know Olympic Club. I think player availability seems to be a problem. And, and uh, you know, there are other teams where supposedly, I'm, I'm making sneer quotes with my fingers here, better players, or, or sorry, supposedly worse players play better because they're there all the time. Yeah, I, I look at it as you, first of all, I, I was talking to Doyle about Ombak. I said, one of the things that Ombak's got to be careful of, they have a lot of, "Quote unquote stars." Sometimes there's not enough rugby balls to keep the stars happy. And as I said to him, I'm like, you know, if you want to be success, if that team wants to be successful, you're going to need a couple guys like Frankie Sharp and James Denise and Neil McMillan and people like that who don't care if they're carrying the ball, Connor Coyne, and who are just really happy to smack rucks make tackles, and get the ball in traffic when they have to. 
and you can win with guys like that. But if you have 15 guys who need the ball all the time to be happy, then it becomes a difficult egg to, to win unless you have some really good ball movement skills to, uh, to be able to get it and keep everyone happy and keep everyone uh, interested in playing. And I think that that's part of the gift of what Volney and, and, uh, Volney and, and Mose gave to Golden Gate is that they were able to distribute that ball and put people into holes and, and make people happy and want to be playing in a very wide open style of play. And I think that that was also true at life where they had um, Brendan Thompson and Adj McGinty at halfback and, and McMaster at fullback who could kick the rubber off the ball. Then you, you, So you have those types of players – who bring out the best in everyone around them. But you, there is something to be said for the workhorse. I don't think it's going to be as big of a problem at Glendale because a lot of their quote-unquote studs are, or top-class guys, if Mose plays, and, and that, that still remains to be seen, how often he plays. And so that's got uh, – that's pretty, that's pretty good. And then you know, but those first those front five guys are aren't as. I'm not saying they're greedy. I'm, you know what I mean. I you know I I could not uh, agree with you more, Bruce, on on the whole thing about like the the unglamorous player. You know, the, when when Benji Goff had that great year with life. I mean, it was just a guy who was just doing some work. Um, and and Ombak, you know, Ombak's got a lot of players with big names and uh, you know Yoshi Kimishima coming in he's a fly half well and what does that mean for Zach Pangelin what does that mean for Andrew Locke the other problem with Ombak is some of the guys listed with them these are guys who are uh in like the world-class athlete program with the the sevens team or they're they're in residency in the sevens team um and so they'll they'll show up for like like twice so Will Holder shows up and he plays great but does he play for the team? He might have a few big game, big plays, but he he's not still part of the team. I don't know what um, uh, Todd Clever's presence in San Diego will do for the seventh team, by the way, because you know I think, he's I think, in there. I think Dorotalo and I think Dorotalo and Holder, from what I heard, are pretty dedicated to on back. They they went, but, went, but that that doesn't mean they're available, and and I guess that's the problem is that you know we still won't be able to see him. Um, I. We gotta we gotta wrap this up. We gotta wrap this up for Pat. But um, I I want to get a couple of predictions uh, on record for guys. Uh, who do you like to win? Who do you like as maybe a dark horse for the PRP? And um, you know, just for good measure, um, you know, we still have the second half of the ARP to come. Who do we like to to finish top there? I'm going to be lame and go with Golden Gate. Uh, I just think that when you're switching out uh, both halfbacks, it's going to be tough for Glendale to recapture the same magic. Um, so, uh, I, and I know that Gate's obviously breaking in a new nine, but I don't think they lost a whole heck of a lot else. Um, and uh, I, I guess I got to go with Gate because of they just keep winning. And so it's just the smart money play. Uh, the dark horse, 
I mean, I don't know if there is a dark horse. The only dark horse in this competition would be to say, like, Santa Monica or Belmont. I think everybody else, I guess, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll say my dark <laughs> horse fun. is Olympic Club. How about that? Maybe this that's, year, that's under, under Ray Laner again, another year of continuity, um, good coaching, good talent. Maybe this is the year that they can break through. I don't know. Bruce, what do you think? I'd have to say Golden Gate on the in the PRP, only because they're not going to get eagled out on on different games for whatever reason. They don't, they haven't really picked them, and many or any Golden Gate guys. So they'll their team will basically stay together. And even though Sheamus is on the team, uh, I forgot the guy's name who played outside center last year outside of Melee. He's outstanding, so it's not going to be any real problem, and it's. it's going to be interesting how they balance the back line with Sheamus there anyway. So Sheamus will be gone for a few weeks for the Uruguay tour and a bunch of other stuff for the Eagles. So he's going to be playing, but he's not going to be playing that much. Maybe playing enough, but he's not going to play a lot of it. So that that's why I would say Golden Gate. I think Clever is going to have the same issues down at uh, down at Ombak and and. Doyle said they're very good, and then Tim O'Brien said they're very good. So I would, those would be the two teams I'd look at there. I just think that Ombak's going to have a, a few more eagle, eagle call-ups and things that are going to disrupt their flow a bit. In, in, the, uh, in the ARP, I mean, smart money, would, smart money would be on life in that the AC has to bonus everybody, and they have to beat life at life. Bonus and everybody at home probably isn't the end of the world for them, but beating life at life and may possibly even have to bonus life at life in order to win that. I think they can do it. However, losing Brian Doyle, losing Seamus Kelly is a difficult hit for them. They are getting James Denise back. How long he lasts, you know, he's coming back from injury. That's a massive pickup. They are getting Pat Fife is playing out his skin, and and that's that's massive. But, they, but they're going to be losing Petri, and that's you know my I'm going to go with the AC. Of course, they have a couple of players that I happen to know personally who are excellent that are playing, including uh, uh, Steve Sanchez from Delaware and Xavier, and and, and Mike Erickson from Delaware and Xavier, and Jimmy Jim I mean and from Penn State and Xavier. Jimmy Kowalski from Delaware and Xavier. And it says a bunch of guys who are Dom DeFalco from Penn State and Xavier. They, they have – there's a bunch of guys who actually got fit and got serious and, and took it. And, and so there's going to be guys that can play. It's just going to be a matter of can they do it when they need to. That's the – Well, it, that come, it may come down to April, the first game of the uh, second half, April 11th. Uh, New York Athletic Club against Life. It does. Uh, Winner in that one. That, that that's a big one. Uh, for for me on the uh, the PRP, I'll, I'm going to go with Glendale. Um, I know that there's been changes there, but uh, I think they've got um, uh, pretty good depth up front, and I like what they're doing there. So um, and 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 their backs don't really get eagled out too much. And the dark horse, I'm going to stay in Colorado. Denver Barbarians. We so many times now. We look at the barbarians and we say, you know, they don't have a lot of eagles. They don't have a lot of guys. And they've got this guy, and he's kind of a, he's all right. Maybe he's a journeyman, and somehow they they do some really nice things. So I'm going to go with the barbarians as the shocker team. Um, 
But having said that, uh, San Francisco Golden Gate looks packed to the rafters with talent, with Brendan Daly and Tom Rook. You know I like Tom Rook. Um, I think uh, outside center, you're, uh, Bruce, you were talking about uh, Opeti Okusi or Tavita Okusi. Uh, those guys, one of them's a flanker, one of them's a center. I can't remember which one right off top of my head. Um, and uh, players like Neil Barrett uh, up front really like him. He's, uh, he's a pretty good hooker. So that is going to do it for us. Uh, I think uh, we've come down on the side of USA Top 8 in Wellington and uh, San Francisco Golden Gate, probably the inside track on the PRP uh, for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. This is Alex Goff reminding you to check out Rugger Matrix International Show on RuggerMatrix.com, and you can see past episodes of, or listen to past episodes of Rugger Matrix America. And you can also check them out on iTunes. Rugger Matrix America is brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions, and thanks for listening.